Good morning. It's good to be back at uh, Reformation for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, to help my brother out, <clears throat> Brother Russ. Um, you know, Russ, I was talking the other day to another pastor, older, maybe between your age and mine, <laughs> and um, we agreed that you, you are one of the finest young pastors in our synod. Yeah. Yeah. You're, just, you're, just, you're just pure gold. You really are. And I happen to be his spiritual mentor. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Um, the second thing I need to mention to the congregation, I had not been down uh, Magnolia for a while. And when I was coming to church this morning... This is spectacular, isn't it? This edifice that you're building. I said, am I in the right corner? I, I, I just couldn't. It's just going to be spectacular. Even the way the architect has set the building you know, on an angle, it's uh, really something, and it's going to be absolutely beautiful. So with those words, I'd like to get going here in the, um, the lesson for today. I've chosen the uh, Old Testament lesson from 2 Kings and uh, the fifth chapter. I'd like to underscore verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, just as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. So far, the, the text. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You know, this Old Testament lesson today is really one of the most dramatic stories, I think, in the Old Testament. And one of the things that makes it so dramatic is that you have two stubborn, arrogant people here <laughs> against one another. You've got Naaman on the one hand and Elisha on the other. Now, Naaman... As you heard uh, Peggy read today, I don't know where she went. Is she here? I don't even see her. But whoever read the, the lesson today did a great job. Um, Naaman was a five-star general in the Syrian army. He was the best and the king's favorite. The text indicates that he had a lot of favor with the king. I'm sure that Naaman was living a life of glory. The text said that his countrymen esteemed him, honored him. He was at the top. He was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was at the top. But... And here's the zinger. 
he had leprosy. The scourge of the ancient world. Now, it doesn't say what kind of leprosy he had. There were all kinds of leprosy. But I think he had the bad kind. Because why else would he come down to be healed? Why would this proud, arrogant man humble himself, come down to little Israel to be healed? You know, the leprosy he had was bad stuff. As it progressed, it would eat your fingers. You end up with clubs. It would eat your toes. Your feet ended up as clubs. Leprosy would eat the nose off your face and the ears off your head. And if you had leprosy in these advanced stages, you were ostracized from the community, you were, you were kicked out of the village, out of the city, and you lived a miserable, horrible existence. No wonder Naaman was willing to come down and be healed. Because, you see, his wife's servant was a little Israelite girl. And when she saw her mistress's husband, Naaman, in such condition, she said to her mistress, if your husband will go down to Israel, there's a great prophet down there, and he'll heal him. The first thing that Naaman did, he went to the king and he said, can I go? Can I go? The king said, you sure can. And with you, I'm taking a gift for the king of Israel. I'm sending with you $20,000 worth of silver, $60,000 worth of gold, and I'm going to send with you 10 beautiful robes for the king. You go on. So Naaman comes down, chariots, horses, all his gifts. The king said, go over to Elisha's house. Go over to the prophet's house. And we'll see what happens. Now, Elisha was a crotchety, crabby old man. He had his soft side. But generally speaking, this guy was hard to deal with. <laughs> kind of like uh, Lutheran pastors sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like this one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never me, of course. I know. No. Um, Elisha, I don't know if you remember the story from the Bible. Elisha was bald. Now you can see why I'm interested in this story. Elisha was bald, and in the ancient world in which he lived, baldness was not good because people gloried in their full uh, heads of hair. 
And so Elisha was very sensitive about his baldness. And one day he was walking along the road and these teenagers, you know how teenagers are, and these teenage boys saw him and they started making fun of his bald head. You skinhead, you old guy with no hair. And they were just going on and on. And he was so sensitive that he turned to them. And there were these two female beer, uh, bears in the, in the forest. Elisha sicked those two female bears on these teenage boys. <laughs> And the bears mauled him and killed him. Can I use that during confirmation? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can find the bears. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is Elisha, you know, had, had a bad side. But at um, any rate, he comes, Naaman comes down and to Elisha's house. Now, do you think Elisha would come out and greet Naaman? and perform this healing? Oh, no. Elisha, being proud and arrogant himself, he sends his servant out. And Naaman is really ticked off. He said, you know, I am this big general, and you send a servant out? What's, what is this? And furthermore, what did the servant say? The servant said, what I want you to do, what Elisha wants you to do, is go down in the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times, and then you're going to be cured. Well, the Jordan River, down where Elisha lives, is nothing but a mud hole. So what he was telling this proud, arrogant general to do Get your lousy body down in that mud hole <laughs> seven times. And Naaman said, you're asking me to do what? What? No way. If I want to go in a river, I'll go back home and we've got beautiful rivers. We've got two wonderful rivers in Syria. I don't have to come down here to put myself in a mud hole. So he left. But then his servants talked to him and convinced him, you better do it if you want to be healed. So Naaman comes back, dips himself seven times in the muddy Jordan River, and as he comes up the seventh time, guess what? A miracle. His skin looks like, I saw Noah in here somewhere and I've lost him. There he is. His skin looks like a young man. The miracle happened when Naaman obeyed. And you know, it's the same way in your life. Let me illustrate it. When I was pastor in uh, San Bernardino at Our Saviors for many years, 20 years, 
there was a woman in that congregation whose name was Lori. Lori was just a, a, a jewel. She, she was happy, contagious laugh, loved the Lord, pretty woman, active in the church, did everything except for one thing. She was scared to death to get up in front of people. She was scared to death to speak in front of people. Well, we started a series in that church on Wednesday night of Bible study. I forget the name of it. It was put out by the, the, um, the church. And it was in a different, it was a six-week series. It went for months, but six-week series at a time. And the, the Bible study was set up where the person who led it would give the lecture, would give the lesson to all the people, and then the people would break up, talk about the lesson, and pray for one another. So the Lord just told me, he, he said, Ken, ask Lori to be one of your teachers. Ask Lori to be one of your presenters. So I called Lori and I said, Lori, the Lord has laid in my heart that you should be one of our teachers. She said to me, you're asking me to do what? <laughs> I'm scared to death to get up in front of people. I've never taught a class in front of people. I've always been the student. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't think so, Pastor. I said, okay, you pray about it for two weeks. I'll pray about it for two weeks, then I'll give you a ring. See, this is how you do it. Okay. So, I'm taking notes right here. So, two weeks later, I called Laurie up and I said, well, what's your decision? She said, well, when you asked me to do this, I said to myself, you want me to do what? But I've been praying about it. I got an open mind. I want to serve the Lord. I'll say yes. So Lori became one of our teachers in this course, one of our presenters. I remember that first night she stood up there, she was just shaking. She was so nervous and ill at ease. But you know what? She became one of our favorite and best teachers. She did, she did a magnificent job. And when I get notes from her now, Phyllis and I get uh, like a, a Christmas card or an anniversary card, she often refers in there, thank you, Pastor, thank you. You changed my life. But the miracle didn't happen until what? Until she obeyed. I am sure, standing in front of me, and sitting in front of me right now, there are some of you that God is telling you, I want you to serve me in this way, maybe in the church, maybe at home, maybe at work. And you keep saying, you're asking me to do what? 
Right, Pirio? You're asking to do what? Yeah. And if you'll say yes, the miracle will happen. But it also is very applicable today on a personal level, a, a relationship level. In that same congregation, there was a man whose name was David. He had a wife, Julie. Came to church every Sunday at this time, 11 o'clock. David was usher on the church council. And every winter, his mother would come out to visit them in San Bernardino and stay for a couple months. She lived in Minnesota. Get, it, get out of the, the cold for a little bit. She was, she was a lovely person, beautiful woman, uh, lived in uh, this little town in Minnesota, a good Lutheran. So she would come to church with them on Sunday morning. And one Sunday I preached on forgiveness, forgiveness. And she went out of church that day and shook my hand and, you know, a few pleasantries. The next morning, David calls me on the phone, Monday morning, and said, Pastor, my mother wants to talk to you. Can, can I bring her in this morning? I'm coming with her. I said, sure. So they came in my office and sat down, and Alice began <clears throat> her story. She said, Pastor, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I have a brother in the same town I live in in Minnesota that I have not spoken to in 33 years. I have not spoken to Al. I've had nothing to do with him for 33 years. We live in the same town. We had a big family blow up 33 years ago. She said, when you were preaching today on forgiveness, the Holy Spirit was just inside of me, working on me, and he said, Alice, call Al. <coughs> Alice, call Al. And I said to him under my breath, Lord, you're asking me to do what? He's the one that offended us. You want me to call him? He should be calling me. And then she said, I came to communion. And as I knelt, I just felt this overwhelming feeling and voice of God. Alice, you call Al. And I kept saying, Lord, you want me to do what? <clears throat> then, then David 
took over the conversation in my office. And David said, you know, when we got home, my mother walked in the house, took out her little address book with her phone numbers in it, threw her purse on the chair, and he said, I heard my mother go to the phone and heard her say, Al, we hadn't talked to my uncle for 33 years. Al, this is Alice. Al, would you forgive me? I forgive you. I just been to church. The pastor talked about forgiveness. The Holy Spirit convicted me. Al, forgive me. I forgive you. And on the other end of the line, all Alice heard was her brother sobbing. Sobbing. And when he finally got himself together, he said, Alice, when can we get together? David said, I heard my mother say, Al, I'm cutting my visit short to David. I'm coming home this week, and we are going to get together and have a party. Lord, you want me to do what? I'll bet you that you and I today have people we should call, phone, write, and visit, right? Lord, you want me to do what? And when we do it, the miracles happen. Ask Naaman. Ask Lori. Ask Alice. You see, today, this Jesus that you love and I love. This Jesus has his arms around us. And he loves us whether we obey him or not. He has accepted us unconditionally. He has died for our sins. You know, he's accepted us. He's got his arms around us. But he's whispering in our ear to obey him. And when we do, with the power that he gives us, miracles happen. Do you believe that? I do. Ask Naaman. 
In Jesus' name, amen.